Well, it has been a great weekend just to be involved in the ministries here. We're excited about it and very thankful for the hospitality uh, preacher and the invitation for sure. Uh, and uh, looking forward to all that God has for us. When it comes to uh, uh, what does it mean to be a Christian, what is Christianity about, it's been said by many. I remember hearing Brother Sam Davison, some of you might know him, preach a, a number of years ago, who said, when it comes to being a Christian, the heart of the matter is the heart. And I do want to speak to you this morning about the heart and the the subject that I'll speak to you on from the life of King Josiah is how to develop a tender heart before God. If you take your Bibles and open to the book of 2 Kings chapter 22 this morning, 2 Kings chapter 22, I'm going to read and encourage you to follow along word for word as I read, uh, we'll read all 20 verses of this chapter that begins to describe the first number of years of the ministry of King Josiah. Verse 1 says, Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign, and he reigned thirty and one years in Jerusalem, and his mother's name was Jedidah, the daughter of Adiah, Adadiah the, of Bosketh. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, and walked in the way of David his father, and turned not aside to the right hand or to the left. And it came to pass in the eighteenth year of King Josiah that the king sent Shaphan, the uh, the son of Azaliah, the son of Meshulam, the scribe, to the house of the Lord, saying, Go up to Hilkiah, the high priest, that he may sum the silver which is brought into the house of the Lord, which the keepers of the door have gathered of the people, and let them deliver it into the hand of the doers of the work that have the oversight of the house of the Lord, and let them give it to the doers of the work which is in the house of the Lord to repair the breaches of the house, unto the carpenters and builders and masons, and to buy timber and hewn stone to repair the house. Howbeit there was no reckoning made with them of the money that was delivered uh, into their hand, because they dealt faithfully. And Hilkiah the high priest said unto uh, Shaphan the scribe, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan, and he read it. And Shaphan the scribe came to the king, and brought the king word again, and said, Thy servants have gathered the money that, it, that was found in the house, and have delivered it into the hand of them that do the work, that have oversight of the house of the Lord. And Shaphan the scribe showed the king, saying, Hilkiah the priest hath delivered me a book. And Shaphan read it before the king. And it came to pass, when the king had heard the words of the book of the law, that he rent his clothes. And the king commanded Hilkiah the priest, and Ahikam the son of Shaphan, and Achbor the son of uh, Micaiah, and Shaphan the scribe, and Asahiah the, a servant of the king, saying, Go ye inquire of the Lord for me, and for the people, and for all Judah, concerning the words of this book that is found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is kindled against us, because our fathers have not hearkened unto the words of this book, to do according unto all that is written concerning us. So Hilkiah the priest and Ahikam and Achbor and Shaphan and Asahiah went unto Holdah the prophetess, the wife of Shalom, the, the son of Tikva, the son of Harhas, keeper of the wardrobe. Now she dwelt in Jerusalem in the college, and they communed with her. And she said unto them, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Tell the man that sent you to me, Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will bring evil upon this place. 
and upon the inhabitants thereof, even all the words of the book which the king of Judah hath read, because they have forsaken me and have burned incense unto other gods, that they might provoke me to anger with all the works of their hands. Therefore my wrath shall be kindled against this place and shall not be quenched. But to the king of Judah which sent you to inquire of the Lord, thus shall you say to him, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, as touching the words of the Lord which thou hast heard, because thine heart was tender, and thou hast humbled thyself before the Lord, when thou heardest what I spake against this place, and against the inhabitants thereof, that they should become a desolation and a curse, and hast rent thy clothes, and wept before me, I also have heard thee, saith the Lord. Behold, therefore I will gather thee unto thy fathers, and thou shalt be gathered into thy grave in peace, and thine eyes shall not see all the evil which I will bring upon this place. And they brought the king word again. Let's pray together. Father, I'm thankful to you for just your goodness to us. Lord, uh, it's overwhelming to think of the scripture where uh, you remind us, you pour out, you declare that, that you love us so much that you uh, sent your son to come and bear our sin and to die uh, for our penalty, to pay the price and, and to rise again and, and take uh, victory over sin and over death and over hell and offer to us uh, by your wonderful grace, everlasting life and full forgiveness through Jesus Christ, your son. Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for your word that you bothered uh, to, in such great detail, breathe your word out, to inspire it and, and give it to holy men of old who wrote it as they were moved upon by your spirit. And, and then, Lord, after really, uh, for some of it, thousands of years, uh, you did as you've promised. You have done as you promised. And as we sit here today, we have not only the inspired word, but the perfectly preserved word of God. God, you are so good to us. And we thank you for the word of God today. We thank you that it's still sharp, still powerful as a two-edged sword, that it still penetrates to the dividing asunder of joint and marrow. Lord, that it still breaks our heart when we see ourselves in it too often, and it still rejoices our heart when we see you in it, Lord. And, and so thank you for your word. Thank you for the time that we can share uh, together this morning and, and that we can have this uh, uh, opportunity, even electronically, to meet together with you in your word. God, bless this time. Use it, uh, Lord. Uh, just allow your spirit to move. Uh, Father, take your word, testify to its truth, uh, to show us ourselves, and to draw us nigh to you, I pray. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God's testimony of Josiah is that Josiah is a man with a tender heart. That's a tremendous testimony that God gave. And that he singled this man out because of his responses, as we'll see in a few moments and said of him, here's the condition of your heart. It's a tender heart. A heart that's tender before God is one that uh, responds to God uh, affirmatively, really, with the slightest provocation. Let me try to give you just a thought of that. I don't know. I'm sure it's been true of most of us. I happen to be a very uh, fair-complected man. I have red hair, or did before it went gray, and, uh, and freckles, and, uh, and very, very light skin. So... What happens is if I see a picture of a bright sun, if I see a nice picture uh, with, uh, out in nature and the sun shining brightly, and I just sort of walk by the picture and glance at it, I get sunburned. That's what happens. If I, if I dream at night of a bright, sunny day, I wake up in the morning red uh, all over. 
Not too long ago, we were preaching in an outdoor uh, service, a parking lot service, and uh, the people were all in their cars up in Minnesota. I think it was 153 degrees outside that day. I'm not sure exactly. And uh, I learned then that I'm uh, getting thinner on top because I had sunburn from the top of my head to the uh, to wherever my shirt was at on my neck. It was a wonderful day, absolutely. But but the outcome of it was good spiritually, but a little bit painful for a few days. And if you've ever had a sunburn, maybe you uh, maybe you're out, uh, you know, doing whatever, maybe you're swimming, whatever it is, and you've been in the sun and you get a sunburn. Maybe your shoulders are red. And if someone were to walk up to you, and if you could just imagine today that maybe I have the sunburn, which is not hard to imagine, and someone walks up to me and says to me, good morning, how are you doing? And they reach out maybe to put their hand on my shoulder. Before they even touch me, I'm going to do something like this. All it took was the idea of being touched. I mean, it really is all it takes. And honestly, sometimes maybe I don't move like that. I just cry real bad, you know. But uh, but it's the idea that that with the, just the most minute amount of input, there was an immediate and clear response from me. Why? Well, because the sunburn created great tenderness in my body. You may not be a person that sunburns, so you can just imagine that you hit your thumb with a hammer. And then you reach out to grab something and all day long, every time, till finally, whenever you would begin to reach for something, you might change hands because the slightest idea of that touching you, it's just tenderness. A tender heart is like that. A tender heart is a heart that doesn't require God to repeat himself or scream or holler, jump up and down to stir heaven, to send lightning, or any of those things, but at the slightest breath of God, responds to God. Josiah had that heart. It's the testimony of God. Josiah became the king when he was an eight-year-old boy. And he was a son of a very wicked king. In fact, I would tell you this, that when Josiah became the king as an eight-year-old boy, and, and really for the first uh, number of years of the time that he reigned, uh, that he lived in a nation that was given to wickedness. In the, earlier in the book of Second Kings, and with more description in the book of Zephaniah, we read some of the conditions of that land. I'm just going to share them with you this morning uh, from the book of Zephaniah, so that you have an idea of the circumstances when Josiah became the king. In Zephaniah chapter 1, it says that, uh, that they worshipped Baal and that the land was filled with these black-robed priests to Baal called uh, uh, Chimarams or Chimarams. Uh, and that they were really the ones who led the land in worship, not the priests of God and not those that had been ordained and selected by God, but these black-robed priests were, were the leaders of the spiritual condition of the nation. When Josiah took the king, according to Zephaniah chapter 1 and verse 5, they worshipped in the house of God the stars above or astrology. They were involved in dualism, according to the same, uh, same verse, where, uh, where they would have, uh, let's say, two gods that they would hold equal, and, and they would try to worship them both and give allegiance to both as if they were the same dualism before God. They were uh, dependent upon their wealth. In Zephaniah chapter 1 and verse 11, it tells us that, that they were a, a nation with great financial success. 
and that everything they did really uh, was not concerned or all of their decisions and their actions were not dependent upon what was right or true according to God, but simply on what would give them more financial security in their life as they would see it. They mimicked the world in their patterns of, of uh, fashion and of, uh, of, uh, of activities. They depended upon their plans, according to chapter 12 of Zephaniah 1, that they thought that they could sort of determine the future, plan the future out, execute it, and that would be it. They, they really didn't expect God to do anything, according to the second part of verse 12 in Zephaniah chapter 1. They just expected that God, by any, uh, by any representation they might think of Him as, was just someone that sat there and, and uh, did nothing. They depended upon their military strength. And the bottom line was is that they had forsaken the true and living God. They had turned to idols with their worship. And they had provoked the God who is to anger. But in the midst of all of that, God's testimony of Josiah is that Josiah had a tender heart toward the Lord. A society, a culture, which would include family, overcome with ungodly wickedness. Every voice around him would be screaming out the opposite of what God had said. In fact, it was such that, as we read this chapter, that Josiah didn't even appear to have a copy of the Word of God uh, there as the king over the nation of Judah. Something required under the law. But the Word of God had been so set aside that the king could assume the throne and have no contact with the Word of God. And yet the Bible says Josiah had a tender heart. It's a remarkable thing. Let me explain to you why and maybe the first thing you should learn today. Here's the fact of King Josiah. Josiah had a tender heart toward the Lord in the midst of great wickedness. Now please get this. Here's what that means. That you and I are without excuse. That we cannot blame the conditions around us for the conditions of our heart. Now take time and appropriate that into your life. It's important that you would understand that I know and acknowledge that there's great wickedness around us. I, I believe your preacher and I had a discussion the other day. He made a comment I fully agree with, that America today is a holy pagan nation. And there are those like you, perhaps, who are seeking the Lord or uh, maybe have a great relationship with the Lord, who worship the Lord. But I would tell you that our country is headed, our culture is headed, our education, all of that. It's not just going in a bad direction. It has arrived at a place that is completely absent God and completely filled with secular humanism and every other sort of worldview that is counter-truth. I know that in America today, right is called wrong and wrong is called right. I know that in America today they mock the nuclear family and they exalt, uh, they exalt same-sex relationships and things that the Bible says is absolute sin. I know that in America today it's expected of teenagers and young people that they would mock their parents, that they would deny their wisdom and they would go another way. I know that people are self-centered in America today. I know that as we travel around this nation that everything that the Word of God says would come to pass in a culture is coming to pass in ours. Everything that has to do with being absent God is the light and life and leader of their life is coming to pass. I know that we are heady and high-minded and traitors. I know all of those things about us as a people. I know that it's a dangerous day in America 
not only because of a virus, but also because of the social upheaval that's going on and, and appears to be gaining some momentum and could get much worse before it ever gets better. I know that today in America is a wicked day. I'm not against our nation. I spent almost 22 years in the United States Army uh, defending, pledging my life to defend our nation. I'm not against America. I'm for America. I haven't left America, but America today is not the America of its founding. And it is not a nation that seeks after God. I know that in our education system, God is excluded. The worship of God is excluded. The Bible is excluded. Prayer to God is excluded. And yet you can be trained how to take a Muslim name and to worship according to the dictates of the Koran. It's upside down. But here's what I want to tell you. That that has nothing to do with the condition of your heart. That you'll never get to stand before God and explain the condition of your heart and the consequent or the resulting direction of your life. You'll never get to say, God, I really wanted uh, to be wholehearted towards you. I really wanted to be tenderhearted towards you. But there was just so much around me pushing against me that I couldn't make it happen. Josiah was living in a time that was really at the end of multi-generational wickedness against God. Manasseh, his father, was wicked. His grandfather was wicked. Didn't last long. His great-grandfather. Uh, I mean, there was just wickedness that was uh, passed on and passed on and passed on. And here's Josiah, really the lone surviving member uh, of his particular uh, family. And, and he's uh, surrounded. He's an eight-year-old boy, and he assumes the throne. And uh, uh, I, I don't know about you, but as an eight-year-old boy, the closest thing I knew about uh, uh, kings and kingdoms was Tonka trucks. I mean, I... I I had no idea. If they would have made me the king at eight years old, we'd have had a lot of banana pudding. I'm just going to tell you that. But not much else. And I want you to understand today that Josiah had a tender heart and developed a tender heart right smack dab in the middle of all of that wickedness going on. The second thing I want you to do to, or to understand today from Josiah's life is this, that a tender heart produces works in your life. That when you have a tender heart toward God, it does things. And Josiah, after we find him here where he's described in verse 22 as having uh, by God through the prophet Huldah uh, as having a tender heart, he begins to do works. And I want you to notice that there's a particular direction and nature of these works. We know that he'd already begun to repair the house of God, and, and that is uh, really what prompted some events in his life. But he continued that after. But listen to what else it says. If you look in chapter 23 of Second Kings, and verse number 3, it says this, And the king stood by a pillar and made a covenant before the Lord to walk after the Lord and to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all their heart and all their soul to perform the words of this covenant that were written in this book. And all the people stood to the covenant. Would you understand that Josiah, uh, once he had really sort of gotten traction in his life and made some decisions concerning his relationship with God, that it produced in his life a work. And that work was to take other people and to draw them into obedience to God, really towards tenderheartedness. 
And the works of a tender heart before God are always works that take people from a position of distance or hard-heartedness towards God and using the Word of God to encourage them to soften their heart and for them to draw nigh to God and develop in their own life a tender and whole heart before God. It also said in verse 3 that he had turned to the Lord and called upon them to turn to the Lord. It says this, with all their heart. A tender-hearted relationship with God is a whole-hearted relationship with God. Where all of your mind and all of your will is being set apart, informed by the Word of God, and has been uh, consecrated and is in full uh, obedience or desire in seeking God with your mind and then your, your will, the decisions you make. Josiah cleaned out the house of God. Verse 5, 6, and 7 of chapter 3. Just read a little bit. It says, He put down the idolatrous priests whom the kings of Judah had ordained to burn incense in the high places in the cities of Judah and the places round about Jerusalem. Them also that burned, uh, that burned incense unto, uh, Baal and the sun to the sun and to the moon and to the planets and all the host of heaven and brought out the grove from the house of the Lord, uh, without Jerusalem unto the brook Kidron and burned it in the brook. Uh, Kidron and stamped it to small powder and cast the powder thereof upon the graves of the children of the people. Josiah went in and he began to clean out the idolatrous worship. And literally in the very house of God, uh, kings before him had set up altars to worship uh, the sun and the moon and the stars and all of the false deities. And they put up a grove, a grove of, of trees and of plants where they would go to worship Baal and these other things. But Josiah went in and he began to clean out the house of God. Verses 7 through 9 tell us that he destroyed the wicked high places that were idolatrous. Verse 10 says this in chapter 23. It says that he defiled, defiled Topheth, which is in the valley of the children of Hinnom, that no man, listen, no man might make his son or his daughter to pass through the fire to Molech. Josiah went down into the valley of Hinnom, there outside the city of David, and he found that perverse god Molech where they were making their children to pass through the fire, literally sacrificing uh, their own children to the worship of this false god, and he destroyed that god. There's no place for that, he said, in God's land. Verse 11 says he did away with sun worship. Verse 12 through 20 really would say this, if I could sum them up, that he dealt a death blow to much of idolatry in the land of Judah. That he went throughout the land and began to destroy all of those things. He reinstituted the Passover in verses 21 through 23. The Passover commanded of God had been neglected for generations now. And he puts it back in place and has a great Passover celebration. He destroyed spiritism. And verse 24 of chapter 23 says really that he did all that he could according to the word of God. And that he had, verse 25, a whole heart for God. And you would have to understand this. That in the midst of great wickedness, that Josiah developed a tender heart for God. But a tender heart is not simply a personal uh, thing. It's something that produces outward works. It produces the works of God. And here's what you should notice about those works. That all of them, all of them had to do with bringing God back into his right place. Bringing people back into right relationship. And exalting God with their lives. It's the works of it's the works of a tender heart before God. Could I suggest to you that the reason that all of that is accomplished is because they are works of obedience to God. That what 
Josiah ultimately did was find the places where they were disobedient with God. And because of his tender heart before God, brought those places into obedience to God. And the impact of obedience is always people getting right with God and God being exalted in the lives of the people. And so Josiah developed a heart. The works of a tender heart for God always turn uh, to the works of God and that exalt and honor God His way and protect people from the untruth and the, uh, and the ungodliness that's going on around them. And so here we find Josiah. He becomes the king as an eight-year-old boy. And he's in the midst of a wicked, wicked land. And you know what's really wicked about it? Is that they did all of this wickedness claiming that they followed the true and living God. They were a religious people, but they were an ungodly people. And in the midst of that, he became tender in his heart before God. He developed the ability. He he'd made a decision that, that this, that all God had to do is say, this is it. That the slightest input from God, that God didn't have to stomp up and down, didn't have to send lightning bolts to destroy the high places. He just had to say to Josiah, that's not mine. That's not right. That's not my way. And with just the whisper of God, the still small voice, with the really very neglected and unfamiliar, I believe, to Josiah, word of God. Josiah heard what God said, even though he maybe had not ever heard it before from what we can see. That he might have known some traditions and had some ideas. But now he saw it in the word of God and he said, oh, if that's what God wants, that's where I go. And that's what we do. It's the works of a tender heart. The works of a tender heart result in the exalting of God. They result in the healing of lives. But it's all because the works bring us to obedience to God. You'd have to ask the question, how did Josiah get here? At what point did he make a decision that said, I can no longer operate disobedient to God. I must turn in obedience to God. I think it's clear. In the midst of all of this going on, we read in chapter 22 that while they were going into the house of God, clearing it out and straightening things up, healing the breaches in the wall and getting rid of things, that they found a book. I like that they just call it a book because they had no idea what it was. And the priest found it. You understand that the priest in the house of God did not understand at that moment that the word of God existed in the house of God. And the priest found it and read it and said, whoa, we could be in a, heap, a lot of trouble here. And he gave it to the scribe and the scribe read it. And the scribe took it to the king. I'm re I, it's remarkable to me that all the priest and the scribe did was pass it on. There's no indication that there was any real response in their life to the word of God. They just said, man, somebody needs to know this. And they passed it on. And they passed it on to the next guy. And, and then he came and read it before the king. And it's, it's a remarkable incident. And I, I, in my mind, I, I see the king sitting on his throne. And he's a younger man by this time. But, uh, but he's sitting there. And the scribe says, hey, things are going well. You know, the money's being taken care of. The house is being built. Oh, and by the way, we found a book. And he sat down and began to read it. And as Josiah heard it, I can see him maybe uh, sitting back in his throne, uh, pondering for a while. And as a little bit goes on, and God begins to reveal himself. You know, he's reading here uh, the scribes, uh, really the scrolls, pardon me, of the first five books of the Bible. And maybe some poetry along with that, but not much more than that. 
And he sits back and he, and he listens in his interest. And it's not long before you see him sitting on the front of the throne, uh, just uh, there at the edge of his seat, listening with intent. And he reads a little further, and no doubt they get into the books of uh, uh, Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy, where, where God is laying down the, the law and the aspects of the law and the curse and the blessing for obedience. And the king suddenly uh, finds himself no longer on the front of his throne, but on the knees before, on his knees before the throne. And he's ripping his royal garment, and he's prostrating himself before God, saying, Oh God, oh God, we're guilty before you. He got up from that, gathered the men around him and said, I want to know if this is really true. I want to know if this is really going to happen. And so he sent them to inquire of God through the prophetess Holdeth. And the prophetess Holdeth's message was simple. Thus saith the Lord God. It's all true. I'm going to pour out my wrath. But because you had a tender heart, I won't do it until you're gone. How did Josiah get such a tender heart before God? He heard the Word of God. The moment, please hear me, the moment of crisis and the moment of decision in Josiah's life was when he heard and took heed to the Word of God. The Word of God is that instrument which tenderizes our heart. The Word of God is the sword which penetrates. It's the hammer. It's the fire. The Word of God is that which God uses to draw our attention from ourselves to Him and then from Him through the light of him back to our own lives to realize as Josiah did that we are worthy of condemnation and yet we have a God who offers a way beyond that Josiah developed a tender heart for God by taking heed to the word of God and I'd like you to know that there was precision in that that it wasn't a general like hey the word of God's pretty cool I mean I generally agree with it but Josiah took it, opened it up, and started highlighting. And he began to say, well, we're not doing that. Let's do that. Well, we are doing that, and we shouldn't. Let's do that. Well, this exists in the house of God, but it's not of God. Let's get rid of that. And these people are worshiping God this way, and they're calling God by a different name, Baal. That can't exist. Let's get rid of that. And these people are living an immoral, perverse lifestyle in the house of God. Let's get that out of here. God's house is in disrepair and and yet it represents it's a place where God is supposed to reside amongst us and speak to us and we're supposed to go and and be right before him let's fix it up because that's what the word of God says can I suggest to you that that he developed the word of God uh, a tender heart because of hearing the word of God but he listened to it with precision and honestly measured everything in his life according to what God said And that's why God said, with the slightest provocation, you respond to me. You have a tender heart. Today I would say to you that we can have either a hard or tender heart. 
you're here today or listening today and don't have Christ as your Savior, can I tell you the great problem in your life probably is not that you've never heard or that you haven't known anything. That's why you're listening, because you wonder. The real problem is, is that there is a hardness in your heart that is preventing you from getting off the throne of your life from bowing down and rending open your heart and crying out to God. I'm here to tell you that if you exist in this moment and you hear my voice and you've never entered into a relationship with God where your sins are forgiven and you would begin to walk in precise obedience to Him, I'm telling you that that can happen today, but what you'll have to do is just simply take heed to the Word of God. You'd have to acknowledge that you're a sinner because this book says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You'd have to acknowledge that you owe a debt you cannot pay and that the wages of that are more than you would ever want to experience because the wages of sin is death. You'd have to acknowledge that the wages of sin or death is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through one alone, through Jesus Christ our Lord, and that there's none other name under heaven given amongst men whereby you must be saved. But if you'd listen precisely today to the Word of God, You'd also hear this. Whosoever shall call upon the Lord shall be saved. You could slip off the edge of your couch today and out of your easy chair. And you could fall on your knees in your home right now or wherever you are. And you could rend your heart. You could call upon the Lord. Say, oh, preacher, how would I do that? You'd say this. God, I'm a sinner. And I realize that I owe a debt I cannot pay. And I desperately desire forgiveness. You'd ask Him to forgive you. You'd ask Jesus Christ to be your Savior, to apply His payment, His penalty, His life in place of your death. What would it require to do that today if you're listening and you don't know Christ? It would require in your life a tender heart. Or you'd simply say, I heard the word of God, and with precision, I want to obey. You can also be hard-hearted today as a believer. It seems impossible and should not be so, but it is true. But you and I as believers who who have received Christ as our Savior can come to the point where we do not obey God really with our life. And so God presents to us His Word. We hear and study it in preaching. We find parts that we agree that are comfortable and we like with and we say we're all in. And yet there are places in the Word of God that we sit or, and listen this morning and know that we are not in obedience to those places in the Word of God. Let me explain this to you. Every place where you already know what God says and you go your own way, not God's way, reveals a hardened heart and you need to understand as we've already seen with Josiah that a tender heart also must be a whole heart and that means this that one place of resistance to obedience of God doesn't mean that your heart is tender hearted except this but any hardness or resistance to obedience to God is by God's definition hard heartedness towards God and you can measure God measured Josiah's heart and said you have a tender heart before me But today it's up to you to measure your own heart 
And the measurement is this simple. Everything that I know today that God has said that I should be or not be, do or not do, am I doing it or not? Say, preacher, that's a mouthful. Sir, that's a life full. But it's also the measuring stick of a tender heart. If you say, preacher, I'm trying real hard, but there are just some places I know I'm not. Here's what I want to tell you. You've got to be on your knees right now. Because you've heard the word of God. He's spoken the truth. And if you have a tender heart, you're responding now with repentance and change. To bring your life into obedience to God's word. It's this simple. Whether you're lost today, don't know Christ is your Savior, saved. You have one question to ask to measure the condition of your heart. Have I at this moment been obedient to everything I know that God has said for my life? Have I placed my trust in Jesus? Have I repented of my sin? Have I begun to have my mind renewed? Have I forsaken the world and gone after Him? Have I died to myself to live unto Him? Have I obeyed? Have I obeyed? Have I obeyed? Not through some sort of legalistic hammer hanging over your head, but because your heart has been transformed to where now with the slightest whisper from the Word of God, you bend your life and conform your heart because your heart is tender before God. And so I ask you this question. If God writes the story of your life this morning, will He say this of you? Because your heart was tender for me. And if not, would you understand that you're acknowledging that there are places where your heart is hard and that means your whole heart is hardened. But the answer is simple because God is waiting for you again to get off the throne of your life, to bow before Him, to rend open your heart and to appropriate and to obey and to change and to be forgiven and allow your heart to be tender before God. It's your choice your choice and it's one you have to make today you have to decide today whether you'll have a tender heart of obedience or a hard heart of disobedience preacher I'm kind of in between no you're not I mean honestly do you bite into an apple find a worm that's only in one part and say I think I'll eat the rest of it most of us don't we're like ooh. Why? Because we call the whole thing bad. We don't want to take the chance. God looks at your heart, and wherever there's disobedience, God says that's hard. Would you choose today a tender heart of obedience before God? Father, I thank you for our time. I pray, God, that we'd be very honest and transparent before you, that we'd allow your word to reveal the condition of our heart. I pray for the one listening that has never received Christ as their Savior. That they would understand today that, that they will experience all that comes with that. The judgment and condemnation of God, the wages of sin is death. But that they have an opportunity today to allow their heart to be tenderized, to choose obedience, to choose to come after you, and to choose a tender heart before you. I pray for the Christian listening today 
that the honest truth of their word is, is that they love you, they care about the things of God, but there are places in their life that they withhold from you and they withhold obedience. And I pray they would acknowledge before you today, on their knees, just like Josiah, that their heart is hard and they would allow their life to be brought because of a tender heart into precise obedience to you. We need your help. All throughout the sound of this broadcast, all throughout everything, God, in living rooms, wherever people are, would you allow them to bow before you now, bring their life into obedience, that you might testify of them that their heart is tender before you. I pray these things in Jesus' name.